Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole. Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for interviews and readings with the finalists and winners of our annual prizes. On this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Jen Crawl, author of Bad Boys of Fashion, Style Rebels and Renegades Through the Ages, which was a finalist for the 2020 Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Prize. Bad Boys of Fashion ended up being a follow-up to Jen's Bad Girls of Fashion, which was published in 2016. As Jen mentions in our conversation, this book fits with her other titles in a few ways. The first is focusing on fashion, as she has done in three books now. Focusing on fashion allows her to look at the way it's been used as a tool for those who are oppressed, and also as a lens to examine history and important cultural issues like sexuality and gender. She also talks about this book, along with her book of cocktails titled Free the Tipple, as introducing people and drinks, of course, that would make for a fascinating dinner party. Jen Crawl is the editor of four books, and she is also the editorial director for Greystone Books and lives in Vancouver. Jen starts our conversation by reading from the introduction of Bad Boys of Fashion. When you think about men's clothing, what do you imagine? A dark colored suit, jeans and a t-shirt. Those might be obvious answers, but there are lots of other options safety pinned leather pants, bright pink tailored suits, team jerseys, metallic purple jumpsuits with plunging necklines, preppy polo shirts, or even dresses. Some men like to blend in while others like to stand out and there's a dizzying dizzying variety of ways sartorial rebels can make their mark. Whether they choose a pair of brightly colored high tops or a bedazzled one piece. So why do we tend to think of men's clothing in such limited ways? Today, a teenager might still wear the jeans and t-shirt that a 1950s greaser did, but he's got choices thanks to the rebellious fashion icons in this book who changed the definition of menswear with their own nonconformist choices. If he thinks of himself as a rule-breaking outsider, that teen could spike his hair and wear a torn punk t-shirt like Malcolm McLaren, or if he considers himself a cultural critic, put on a natty suit and tie and pretend he's a witty 19th century aesthetic like Oscar Wilde or the modern equivalent, a hipster. He could prep up his image with a pink polo shirt like a young Kanye West or really push some boundaries with a kilt like a Latter-day West. Or if he's a real bad boy, he could throw on a leather jacket, jeans, and motorcycle boots like Marlon Brando. Throughout the pages of this book, McLaren, Wilde, West, Brando, and 26 other famous men prove that men's fashion is as varied and interesting as the lives men lead, and most of all, that clothes have meaning, just like those rich, 18th century guys in tights and curly wigs did. Men today use clothing to tell the world what they're all about. I'm curious like where the idea for this book came from and and how you got started on it. So this book is actually the follow-up to a book that I published in 2016 called Bad Girls of Fashion, which was about women who used fashion to rebel. that book did pretty well. It got some good reviews. And at one of the holiday hoot nannies, which I think the listenership of, of this podcast should know well at Pat's Pub, uh, the former associate editor at Annette, Colleen, Colleen McMillan, cornered me and asked me to write the follow-up. So that, that's where this came from. 
It's interesting though, because I started writing this book four years ago, actually. And it was right at the point that uh, Trump was taking office. And I was also really looking at it as a way to present different models of masculinity that didn't have to be this, you know, extremely kind of, uh, I, I guess, what has sort of evolved into this proud boyish kind of uh, the, the stuff that we saw in American news this week, just kind of a different way to rebel and showing that um, masculinity didn't have to be this one thing. So it, it evolved in that context, but it's it was a follow up to the other book. So. Did you always have a follow-up in mind for that book? I didn't, no. Um, I mean, I think that people often, and this this is actually one of the things that this book talks about a little bit, is people tend to associate fashion with women. And historically, women have kind of, well, not historically really, but in modern context, women have done a lot more with fashion and have kind of had more attention paid to their fashion choices. But one of the things that this book really explores, and this is actually kind of similar to the the thing that I was talking about in Bad Girls of Fashion, is that clothing is a way that people who are sort of oppressed in certain ways, who are sort of, you know, society has told them that they have to be a certain type of person. And and that's something that um, women have gone through a lot, but it's also something that uh, men in different contexts have also gone through. So um, racialized men and gay men and uh, men who are poor um, have had all of these sort of confining things told to them about their lives. And so similar to the way that uh, women did, men um, have often rebelled against their context um, using fashion as well, because fashion is a way. So one of the things that I argue in the book is that, and I don't think this is controversial at all, is that fashion is, is a way that we communicate to the world who we are. So it's also kind of a way to try to escape the, the context that people are trying to limit you to. Yeah. It's interesting because I think like you're kind of uh, you've mentioned like fashion has this idea that it's kind of like frivolous and to some people it's meaningless. And, you know, people just put on jeans and a T-shirt in the morning and don't think anything about it. But it, it as you show in the book, it's this really interesting way to explore so many different topics like race and um, history, gender, all those different through the ages. And I was curious if you selected the different men that you included so that you could have those conversations or how you kind of chose who was going to be included. Yeah. So in terms of the the men in the book, the the first thing was that they fashion choices needed to have played a major role in, in the man's life. So it had to have been a consistent thing they used to define themselves um, with the exception of the iconic look section. So that was just, they needed one sort of very important outfit, but for the main chapter topics, it had to be, fashion had to be a, a thing that was important throughout their lives. But yes, I wanted the book to be a cross section of careers, time periods, races, sexuality. So a good diverse mix was one of the things that I considered. Um, I've written, other books in the past that have touched on similar topics. So the very first book that I wrote was Fashion That Changed the World. And it 
uh, looked at fashion through fashion for everyone, but fashion through various different contexts. So how did the military affect fashion? How, how is sports shaped fashion? How has gay and lesbian fashion affected fashion as a whole? So all of, all of these kinds of um, societal influences. So yeah, so I, I have a pretty good sense of how, how those things have kind of shaped the way people dress. And so I, I definitely was looking to, to explore those things in the book. The other thing is that I've written, so Bad Girls of Fashion is included in this. And also I've written some, um, some cocktail books, which people, or people may be aware of them, where um, I, they include biographies of people and, and cocktails inspired by the people in them. So I've written a number of books that have kind of collected biographies of people. And I've, I've said in the past that I've looked at these kind of like planning your fantasy dinner party. So I'm looking at the mix of what all these people bring to the table and not necessarily just what they bring individually, because you want the people in the book to play off each other and for everyone to kind of bring something new to the book. And sometimes that means maybe you don't include someone who who people think would be obvious so yeah it was definitely it was all of those things all at the same time i was looking for a great mix of people where i could uh, look at different aspects of ways uh, of things that have influenced fashion and also they just had to have really amazing compelling lives that they've led that have been kind of where they've used fashion to kind of shape the, the way people look at them yeah what is it about fashion that you're so interested in that you would uh, kind of center so many books around that topic? Well, I used to work at a fashion magazine, so that's probably the the main reason. I was at a magazine called The Block for six years. It was the, the first job I had. Uh, well, not the first job in publishing, but the first sort of real job I had in publishing. Uh, so... I worked, I worked in the context of fashion for six years. And also, you know, in these, in these books, I'm writing a lot about, uh, so these bad girls of fashion and bad boys of fashion um, are both targeted at teens. And, you know, my own personal experience um, with fashion as a teen was that I, I definitely used it as a way to express myself. A lot of teens do. Um, and, you know, I was, I was someone who kind of dressed in a sort of a punk kind of goth way. Um, and as with most people, the, my teen years were definitely kind of a, a, a time in my life when uh, sort of my personality took shape. And so I definitely see, see fashion as sort of a, a, real, a real kind of shaping feature in people's lives. And I went on to so my, my undergrad degree was in psychology. And so I guess I kind of, I'm interested in the, the sort of sociological and, and psychological and historical aspects of fashion and kind of the, the way that we, the way that we use fashion. And so that's kind of all come together in these books. I'm not personally, I, I don't think anyone would be would describe me as say like a quote-unquote fashionista I'm not uh, I don't have a style blog and I'm not kind of out there uh, getting my photo taken and street photography or appearing on blogs or that kind of thing but I do find 
fashion really fascinating. So. I think it's one of those really interesting lenses to examine the world through, and maybe it's one we don't always think of. And I, that's what I found really interesting in the book was, you know, it created opportunities to have conversations about things like the AIDS crisis, because you included Andy Warhol and other characters like that. So um, it, it definitely, I think it's dismissed, but it's one of those really interesting ways to examine the the important issues that have happened in the past but also are still very current absolutely i mean fashion is similar to art in that way because it's you know fashion is creative and um it it's very much affected by the context that people are living in but i also think that the kind of the way that people dismiss fashion and consider it to be frivolous is partially just because of sexism, because I, I mean, this is something that is explored in, in the book as well, that up until the industrial revolution, um, so the time of the industrial revolution and the French revolution, um, which both changed society in huge ways, fashion, like really sort of um, showy decadent fashion. So like colorful tights and wigs and high heels and dressing um, in this really sort of showy way. So like real fashion was the domain of men and men dressed to show off. They would pick tights that showed off their shapely legs and wear these high heels that, uh, you know, made their, their legs look nice and long and have like a really big curly wig and, you know, um, bloomers and it was just you know they had these these crazy outfits and these outfits were meant to show off their wealth and their status in society and the only thing that changed that was the you know the french revolution like let's uh <laughs> let's get rid of the monarchy and um all of these sort of showy displays of wealth are bad so like kind of a more sort of egalitarian way of dressing emerged because of that but also the industrial revolution where all the men we're going to factory jobs and dressing in this very kind of, well, a way, uh, outfits that they could work in. So working men's attire and sort of there was the rise of the middle class and all of these men getting money and sort of this kind of way of dressing became the way men dressed as opposed to aspiring to uh, showiness and elegance. But at the same time, then those kind of displays of showiness and elegance became the domain of women and therefore not important. And I mean, <laughs> I'm obviously uh, happy that society has evolved since then, but it's interesting that, I mean, there, there's a lot of the way that we regard these things that is just very, um, again, it's just very based on the context that we're living in. One thing that, one of, one of the questions that I was kind of mulling was, you know, things that I learned during the process of writing this book. And I, you know, I, I did already know about this sort of the way that men's fashion kind of became more constrained, but like the fact that high heels were just considered extremely masculine is, is really interesting. And women apparently only started wearing them when they wanted to have a more masculine edge to their, to their wardrobe. So yeah, the, this is all very, very context dependent and, um, you know, I think that you know, fashion is definitely not really given given its due. It's really interesting, I think, and you've touched on the masculinity and the gender part of this and the sexism of it. But um, I think so much like we forget 
the the long history that some of this stuff has had like even just in you know pink for girls and blue for boys like at one point that was totally reversed and it was Mm -hmm. like pink for boys and blue for girls and you know it wasn't uncommon to see little boys wearing dresses and like how how quickly that has all kind of just been forgotten and its masculinity has been Um, performed in clothing in a certain way and we forget you know that yeah men used to wear high heels and that was totally okay Mm -hmm. and people like to think that a lot of the I mean there are a lot of people who don't think this way but there there's um there are people who like to think that this is all obvious and you know obvious you know it's obvious that women wear heels and men don't wear heels and women wear dresses but that is just uh, the way that we look at it right now. And it's also just a way of, of signaling as well. Um, so that's sort of the, of course, one of the big themes of this book too, just how people um, choose to portray themselves. Um, so, but it, yeah, like the, the things like these fashion items in and of themselves don't have any inherent meaning. They only have meaning within the context of our culture and what we've decided they mean. Yeah, yeah. Were you always set on the, the men that appeared in the book or were there people that you had, you know, had never really explored that you introduced uh, for the first time? I mean, there's definitely a narrowing down process with these books where I initially kind of have a long list and then I narrow it down to a shorter list. There are people where I'm kind of glad that I didn't include them. So um, uh, one of the people who was on the long list was Michael Jackson. And um He actually, I mean, he has some very interesting fashion choices that he made, but immediately after the book was published, you know, all those documentaries about him came out and I, you know, his, the, his sort of um, what he means to people has changed a lot. So I'm glad I didn't include him. In terms of, uh, you know, people, there, there's no one where I'm like, wow, I really, I really wish I could have included that person in the book where I feel like there's, I mean, I guess um, there are some people who have emerged in the last few years who would have been really interesting. So for example, it would have been really great to be able to include uh, Lil Nas X, this sort of black rap cowboy kind of look. I think that's pretty cool. And he has done, he's into fashion clearly, and he has done a lot when it comes to sort of rebelling using it and sort of breaking stereotypes so that would have been really cool but he became famous after this book was published similarly I think it would have been very cool to have a trans man icon in the book and Chalaman I don't know if you know Chalaman but that would have been a cool person to include but again he's someone who came to prominence after this book was published so yeah, there there are, you know, if I was going to do a new edition, um, I would I would probably make some tweaks. But um, because I was looking at it again in this kind of like, oh, the ideal dinner party, I feel like I have a pretty good selection in the book. Oh yeah, I would li- I'd like to have dinner with those people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some of them, there are some of them that I would not want to have dinner with. Um, I mean, because I did, you know, the book is about rebels and some of the people in the book are not so nice and I included them because they did use fashion in an interesting way um but 
you know, like I don't know if I want to have dinner with Mao. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but at the same time, like discussing how he that that Mao coat came to prominence is an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rest of them, the rest of them would be all right. Dinner with Prince. I'm down for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Prince. Uh, Malcolm X. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask about about the word bad boy because it has so many people think of it in different ways depending on who you're talking to. And I, I wondered how you defined that term and particularly with this book. And I think it's probably in the subtitle a little bit as well. Absolutely. I, the, my, my real answer to this question is that books, book titles aren't always the most accurate description of what's in the book. And, you know, they're often chosen um, to, to catch attention. And, you know, bad boys sounds, you know, fun and exciting. Um, it does have the connotation of rebel. And, and that's really what the book is about, is men who used fashion to rebel or um, redefine themselves in some kind of way. And so, yeah, as, as you mentioned, the subtitle uh, does kind of define it. So style rebels and renegades through the ages um, is what we landed on. So, yeah, it's just men who who used fashion to, to change their lives or change the world around them and who didn't necessarily play by the rules. I wanted to talk a little bit about the illustrations, and I'm not sure how much of a role you had in working on the illustrations, but they're fantastic. Uh, I th- I just I love the graphic elements of it, uh, the real photos, but also the kind of like designed uh, images as well. And was it did you worked with the same illustrator for uh, Bad Girls of Fashion? No. Um, so the illustrator, um, so they actually have kind of similar names, like they're, they're both Polish, um, which is an interesting coincidence. But um, so uh, Ada Bukolk, who worked on the, the first book, was kind of, uh, she sort of disappeared. And <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it other than that she disappeared. Um, and kind of wasn't responding to emails for like a couple of years. I think she is, I've looked at her Instagram account. She appears to still exist, but <laughs> um, for the, it sort of became obvious that she wasn't going to be able to work on this one. And I was looking at this website. I don't know if you know it, um, called Women Who Draw. Because I, I did want kind of a, a certain sort of edgy look for the book. Um, I didn't want it to look too kind of, um, I didn't want it to look conservative. And there were some other illustrators who had kind of been put in front of me who I, I didn't really like uh, their aesthetic as much. And so I was looking around on this website where I found some other great illustrators before. And um, I saw the profile of Anita Pachalska and um, I thought that her work was really great. It was just sort of colorful and modern and edgy. And um, fortunately, she ended up being interested and, and Anik thought that she was great too. So yeah, and she also um, is living in Toronto. So it was, it was kind of nice to, to have another person in Canada working on the book. So yeah. Was it a close relationship? Did you work closely with her as you were coming up with the illustrations? No, so typically, um, so I've worked on a lot of illustrated books, and um, 
usually the editor's kind of the one that's liaising with the illustrator. And, um, you know, I, I will typically provide some, some direction in terms of what I, what I think the illustration should include um, in collaboration with the editor. And then the, the editor and the illustrator work on it from there. I did offer direction, but I wasn't working super closely with her. Um, but I think they all turned out really great. I was, I was super happy with it. Do you have any favorites? Hmm. Well, I'm flipping through this right now. I really like the, um, the Murakami one. So that was, so those, those looks, I was obviously providing pretty detailed notes on what the looks should be. And it's super fun, the pose she's got him in. And he's, uh, for people who are listening, if they, if they don't know him, he's, he's this really, uh, cool Japanese artist. Um, he had, a show at the the Vancouver Art Gallery a few years ago that people might have seen. And he is famous for wearing this octopus outfit, um, complete with an octopus hat. Um, And so she illustrated that. And um, it's just like super, super colorful and fun. Just sort of flipping through. I I don't know, there's uh, that, that one is probably my favorite. I also liked the the Andre Agassi. we included I, people probably don't know this but he wore a wig <laughs> and, um, so his wig is included in the illustration and his uh brightly colored uh athletic top and neon pink pants and uh he was kind of um at the time in tennis he was kind of considered to be a bit wild but you know I I remember seeing him on TV when I was a kid but I definitely had no idea that a wig was part of his look so yeah (laughs) yeah I think the looks were some of my favorite parts of the books like I really liked the Donald Glover one too with him on the ground like that and and just Mm -hmm. having all those unique elements pointed out with the arrows and the words I thought that was really great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah we were definitely trying to point out those unique elements to the outfits and the things that really made them stand out. So I'm glad it worked. (laughs) Thanks so much to Jen for being on the podcast. And thanks, as always, to you, our listeners, for subscribing and listening to Writing the Coast. If you want to learn more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, don't forget to visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. And if you want to stay in the loop about all things BC and Yukon Book Prizes, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Riding the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Alex Van Toll, who wrote Great Bear Rainforest, a giant screen adventure in the land of the spirit bear, which was a finalist for the Roderick Haig Brown Regional Prize. Thanks for listening to Riding the Coast.